I'm Jerry, and my pronouns are he slash him, your host for the Community in Unity podcast of Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida Peer Education. We are a podcast dedicated to interviewing local community partners that work with or help with researchers available to young people in the Central Florida area. Again, I'm Jerry, and I'll let my co-hosts introduce themselves. I'm Dylan, and my pronouns are he, him. And... I am Mason, and my pronouns are he, him. We are discussing the Red Tent Initiative, who support survivors and help folks get out of domestic violence situations with our special guest, Allison Foley-Rothrock. Miss Allison, could you tell us about yourself and what you do with the Red Tent Initiative? Well, I am the founder and the acting executive director for the organization. We are a group of survivors and allies who work together to end abuse and exploitation in our communities. Um, The idea is to raise awareness and raise funds through arts events uh, that also allow survivors to tell their stories and to be seen in the public, sort of break down stereotypes around survivors and victims of abuse and exploitation, uh, what we look like and who we are. Um, let people know that we're your friends, your neighbors, your community leaders even. Uh, A lot of us have been through some really terrible situations and come out the other side. Uh, But more than anything, the idea is to give hope to survivors who are working to rebuild their lives after suffering from abuse and exploitation. So all of the funds that we raise, we're a completely volunteer organization. Uh, Nobody's getting paid from the money that people give us. Everything goes to help survivors uh, with anything from, you know, if they need clothes or dishes or diapers or formula or a place to stay that's safe when they're leaving abuse and exploitation. Uh, We do our best to fill in those gaps where traditional social services don't have the resources or can't stretch quite far enough. And we partner with great local community organizations like Planned Parenthood, uh, like Peace River and Women's Resource Center, Lakeland Volunteers in Medicine, and a lot of other great groups that um, are serving survivors. And we make sure and connect our survivors with those local resources so that we can make the most out of what we do have available. Wow, that is awesome. We we're discussing how you support survivors of domestic violence and help folks get around domestic violence relationships. Why did you start the Redton Initiative and what is domestic violence? I started the Red Tent Initiative because I am a survivor myself. Um, I grew up with some abuse and then as an adult found myself in some abusive relationships and situations. Um, And the worst part of being in an abusive relationship of any kind, uh, in my experience, was feeling really alone and not knowing where to turn and not knowing where to find the resources that I needed. And I, at that time, had actually already been working with survivors in my career when I experienced domestic violence as an adult. So I knew that there were resources out there, but I found it almost impossible to connect with the resources. Um, And you know, feeling alone made me feel really hopeless. Um, One of the strategies that a lot of abusers use to keep their victims in relationships is to isolate them from friends and family. Um, They destroy relationships by um, pulling 
you know, getting you in bad situations and making you feel like you have to choose as the victim. They make the victim feel like they have to choose between them and their family or them and their friends. And um, so we just really wanted to find a way to one, get the message out there that to any survivor, anyone struggling with abuse or exploitation, that they're not alone, that there are these resources out there and that there are people who have been in that same situation who have recovered and who have moved ahead in life and who have been able to rebuild from there. And, you know, we're not just these sort of pathetic creatures that we see portrayed in movies or Hallmark TV and things like that. You know, we're, we're strong. We're people who are doing great things in our communities. Um, they're people that we love and respect. And um, I've always found that the arts are a really great way to connect people who feel like they're from really different backgrounds or that they're from really different perspectives. The arts are a way for us to speak across those kinds of divides that we might feel otherwise. So taking all of that sort of together and the idea uh, that we could use the arts to raise awareness and raise money um, and help to fill in some of these gaps that I had run into in the, in the social services that I had reached out to, um, we decided to put on our first arts event back in 2015. Um, and we got an incredible response. Um, we found that a lot of the community leaders that we had invited to speak about the general topic of abuse and exploitation, uh, it turned out they had their own stories of having survived abuse and exploitation. Um, and that really just drove it home that, you know, again, I, I'm not alone. There are these other people in our community, other leaders in our community who have been through this, who have come out the other side and have uh, gone on to be strong and to do amazing things with their lives. And, you know, that's a really powerful message. We wanted to be sure and share that with others. Um, so we kept doing it. <laughs> we put on additional events. We started to grow. Um, and we've been around now for six plus years. Uh, we do a 5K. We do a big arts event every year. We collaborate with other organizations to put on events. Um, so, you know, from that sort of tiny seed of a thought of like, you know, I really need to get this message out and I really need to express myself and tell my story more. You know, there's, there's a power in telling our own stories. Um, we found a way to leverage that and be able to also take what was these terrible experiences we've been through and use them for good to, um, to help others, to help others move forward too. Now, what is domestic violence? <laughs> That's a whole other question. Um, domestic violence is a really soft and gentle name for one of the most terrible things that our society experiences. And it's something that I say is a, you know, it's not just a women's issue. This is a, a societal issue. It's a societal illness that's really plagued us for way too long. Um, but basically, it's any type of violence between intimate partners um, or between family members 
or even people who live together, roommates can experience domestic violence. Um, so the other point to make around domestic violence is that it doesn't necessarily mean physical violence. Um, the domestic violence that's criminally punishable is physical violence, but domestic violence before it gets physical usually starts with emotional abuse. Uh, it starts with things like yelling and swearing and insulting and criticizing. It, it starts with things like restricting a person's finances um, or cutting them off from friends and family, acting jealous all the time, um, breaking things, uh, hurting animals, other things like that, um, even threatening violence to their own self. Um, something that we see a lot with abusers is that when the victim decides that they would like to leave, the abuser will start to guilt them and make them feel like they're the bad guy and make them feel terrible for wanting to leave. You know, oh, I know I messed up, but I, I just messed up and I, I'll never do it again. Or if you leave me, I'm going to hurt myself. Um, even all of that is, it's a form of emotional abuse. And unfortunately, it doesn't usually stop with the emotional abuse. That's usually just the beginning. So those are some of the red flags and yellow flags to look out for when we're talking about domestic violence. That's, that's really hard touching. I heard that domestic violence increased in Central Florida during COVID. Has it gone back down? Unfortunately, no. Um, although we are seeing an increase in people accessing services again. Um, during the height of the pandemic, it was very problematic to have shelters as crowded as they normally are, to have services as crowded as they normally are. Um, we have a very limited number of resources to go around compared to the number, compared to the need. You know, the, the resources that we have are amazing and the people who work for the services we have are amazing and very dedicated, but there's only so much to go around. So one of the big problems during the pandemic was that it became increasingly difficult for people to access services because the hours were reduced people weren't working in the offices. Um, we couldn't have people, uh, as many people in as little space as we have. So um, one of the good things about the pandemic getting somewhat under control now, people getting vaccinated and people taking better care to not expose each other is that we can start to open back up the services as well. And people are back to going to school, which is a lot of um, teachers tend to be the first people to notice when a child is being abused. Peers and coworkers tend to be the first ones to notice when a coworker, an adult is being abused. Friends and neighbors and people that we weren't seeing during the height of the pandemic, um, who we might, uh, as who victims might otherwise have been able to go to and talk to or who might have noticed what was happening and been able to help, weren't able to during the pandemic. So um, 
fortunately, we are seeing that people are beginning to access services again, and, and the, those sorts of numbers are also increasing now. Um, and so we're able to meet the need a little bit better than we were during the pandemic. Um, we're able to hold events again and raise money again, and all of that is good news. We're still being very cautious, of course. Um, we certainly don't want to be the cause of a resurgence of COVID, um, but it's good that we can get back out and we can have our we can have our therapy groups again, and we can have people coming into the office if they need it, and uh, we can go out and give talks and and host events and all of that. So. That's great information and really heart touching. But um, Dylan, do you have any questions? Thank you, Mason. Um, one question, a couple of questions that I have, and one of them is, um, is domestic violence only a problem for adults? And if so, if not, what should I do if a friend is in a domestic violence situation with their family or a romantic partner? Yeah, um, unfortunately, no. Abuse often starts for children when they're young. Um, the most important thing is to make sure that that person is safe. Um, and first and foremost is to do your best to talk to them and find out what you can do that will help them to feel safe and secure enough to get professional help. Um, you as a teenager or a, a peer should not try to step in to stop what's happening on their behalf. If the person who's being abused isn't ready to get help, and for example, the police show up at their door, that could result in a backlash against them, an increase in violence. So you want to be sure first and foremost that your friend is ready to get help and that they have a safety plan in place. Um, one of the things that we tell our uh, survivors who are working to leave a situation, first and foremost, is to gather your documents, um, to be ready to go, um, and to make sure that they don't confront their abuser by themselves. Um, we've seen tragic situations where someone gave in and relented and went back to have one last talk with their abuser and um, it ended in violence. So we don't wanna do anything that would put them at further risk, most importantly, um, but encourage them to get help. Let them know that you're there for them as their friend. Don't criticize them or their decisions. Um, one of the worst reactions that I see repeatedly, and it's totally natural for someone who's never been in domestic violence, but to the, to the abuse victim, it's really awful to hear over and over again, where friends and family members will, will criticize their decision-making and say, oh, why would you be with them? Or, well, I would have left the first time that he touched me or things like that, you know, and while meaning the best, you can really cut a person's um, self-esteem by doing that. So the most important thing is to really build them up and give them hope and let them know that you're gonna be there for them no matter what. Um, help them arrange for a safe place to stay 
um, help them go to authorities and be prepared to tell their story um, and support them in ways that they feel supported and help them to feel safe, which you're only gonna know by talking to them. And if they're not ready to talk yet, and if they're not ready to do it, um, if you are talking about a minor, uh, in a lot of cases, DCF uh, or Child Protective Services will step in, even if the child isn't ready to really tell their story. Um, but when we're talking about someone who's not a child, or we're talking about a domestic, like a romantic partner, if the person isn't ready to tell their story, it's going to be very difficult for authorities to do anything, even when they do have the will to do it. Um, and unfortunately, we see a lot of cases where even when there's pretty clear evidence, the authorities just don't step in and don't do enough to protect them. So again, it's really important to make sure that before they leave, they have a plan in place and they have that support structure in place. They have an organization working with them that can help them plan You know what comes next, what comes after you're out of that situation um, so that they don't lose hope and so that they know that they're they're supported and they're safe. Thank you. Um, another question. What do you want the community to know about domestic violence and the Red Tent, and the Red Tent Initiative? Most importantly, I want people to understand that domestic violence is a whole society issue. It is a community problem and it's a community, it's gotta be a community-wide solution. We can't continue to talk about domestic violence, well, or worse, not talk about domestic violence. Um, survivors need to find the courage to speak out and tell their stories so that we can continue to, to um, survivors need to go out there and tell their stories so that the people around us understand that we are all around them. The, the statistics are one thing, you know, statistics will tell you that one in five adult women has experienced some form of assault in her lifetime, uh, or that uh, one out of three adult women has experienced some form of sexual abuse. You know, the statistics are horrifying, but you don't quite drive it home with statistics that we're talking about people sitting next to you. You know, that in any given room, someone in that room is probably being victimized or is a survivor uh, or has been very closely affected by these issues. So we need to stop putting it on the back burner. We need to stop brushing it under the rug and treating it like dirty laundry. We've got to talk about it and we've got to insist that we as a whole community have got to do better. We have to provide more resources. We have to be more responsive. We have to be more assertive and we cannot continue to be bystanders and let this disease plague our communities. Um, as far as what you should know about the Red Tent Initiative, you know, we're out here, we're doing the work and we're doing it without big money. You know, we don't get any big grants or anything like that. So every dollar that you give to us, we turn it around. We, we triple the value of it through the work of our volunteers and the uh, donations and the community partnerships that we have. So 
you're thinking about that Christmas list, maybe put put a little gift to Red Tent Initiative under the tree too. That's a lot of information. Miss Allison, what can I do as a team to stop, to stop domestic violence and help the Red Tent Initiative? To stop domestic violence, it all starts with educating ourselves and educating others. So let's talk about what we can do to interrupt the ongoing cycles of violence in our communities. Let's talk about our attitudes towards each other. Uh, let's talk about our attitudes towards violence in relationships or violence in the home. Uh, you know, it's not a private issue. It's not something to um, turn our cheek to or anything like that. It's something that we have got to step up and we've got to stop. Um, as a team, you know, like I said, uh, you guys are the future. You're the generation coming up. And I believe that you all want to do better than you're, what you've seen from generations in the past. And I believe that you can do better. Um, it starts with the will to do it and the attitude. And I think you all have it. So I appreciate that about you. Um, to help Red Tent Initiative, we always tell people, you know, yeah, we love the donations. The money's great. The, the goods that can go to help survivors are fantastic. But you can also give of your time and your talent. We always need volunteers. We always need um, people to come out and support us at our events. Um, and we need just your, your support. You know, share our social media pages or, or talk about us. Bring us up next time somebody's talking about these topics. Uh, invite us to come and do a talk at your school or at your organization. Um, there are lots and lots of ways that you can support, and we appreciate every one of them. Uh, one last question. What is toxic masculinity, and how can we stop it? Yeah, that's been a hot-button topic lately. I feel like it's uh, this term has kind of gotten thrown around and, and beat up a little bit. Um, no, no pun intended, but the, you know, the whole concept of toxic masculinity is just this idea that men have to be these unfeeling creatures that the only emotion they're allowed to show is, uh, anger or that, um, they should all act like, um, insensitive horn dogs all the time or things like that. You know, I think it's really important that we treat men as humans too, um, and emotional feeling creatures that we've got to unlearn these ideas about strict gender roles that really aren't helpful to anybody. You know, the, the old school kind of concept that you have to be a manly man in order to be respected. And that, that means being angry and violent and unfeeling and things like that. Um, that just aren't good for anyone. So there's a difference between being masculine and being uh, in toxic masculinity. There's nothing wrong with masculinity itself, but um, let's make sure that it's not the kind of masculinity that results in hurting other people or ourselves, you know? Um, like I said, I, I think toxic masculinity is a problem first and foremost because it's a problem for everyone. 
Um, it's, it's at the root of things like sexual assault and domestic violence in a lot of ways, this um, idea that a man has to dominate and be at the top and be, be the, the king of the castle and things like that. You know, all of that just leads to problems in the home and in, in our relationships. So does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miss Allison. That was a lot of information, even knowing that you yourself was a, well, a part of this old domestic violence thing and you even got out of it. Thank you for empowering us with the importance of especially domestic violence. And now we you know what we can do to help the Red Tent Initiative. But also, do you think there's anything else that we should know about or you feel like that you should add? Um, not that I can think of at the moment. I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you guys doing this and, and your efforts to educate the community. Well, this is Jerry, Mason, and Dylan, your host today for Community and Unity podcast of Planned by Parenthood Southwest and Central Florida per education. We hope everyone has learned about the important work of the Red 10 initiative and how it provides to the community. And we hope to listen to our podcast to learn more about our local community partners. Thanks again to Ms. Allison for spending time with us today. It was some terrific information that a lot of people should be very glad to know. If you'd like to know more about this podcast, or would you like to be interviewed for any more upcoming podcasts, or would like to learn more about the Polk Per Education Program, please contact us at Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida. Our phone number is 863-665-5735. Once again, that's 863-665-5735. Or you can learn more about it from our other services at PlannedParenthood.org. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Community and Unity. Disclaimer for this and every episode of the show. The experiences and opinions expressed in this podcast reflect the views of the individual speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida or any other entity. Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida does not guarantee the completeness or accuracy of the content of this podcast and accepts no liability for any direct or indirect damage of any kind arising from or in any way related to the podcast content. The information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical, mental health, legal, or other professional advice or services. Beyond that, special thank you to the Planned Parenthood staff, amazing community guests, and peer educators who all make the show possible. See you again soon.